It is time for another episode of the Walk On Red Shirts. Make sure that if you're not already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to like, give us five star if you think we're five stars. Maybe you think, like Will says, maybe you like to think we're four stars. Might be a four star listener. Could be. Listen, there's there's enough stars out there for everybody, but there's only a few of you could be five stars, and we appreciate you. Hey, three stars still develop into you know all pro, all Americans. You don't always have to be a five star to be an all American. Yeah, three stars are the best stories, or three stars are the best stories. Five stars are like the teacher's pet. You know, you don't be a five star. Maybe you're a walk on. Maybe you're a walk on. Maybe you're a walk on that is redshirted. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. You know, I was ready to come on to this podcast and talk about the national championship game. You know, the game we had, and then tonight, Nick Saban decides to drop the fact that he is going to retire, and he does it immediately. He does it in a statement. He doesn't even. I thought that was strange, but this is probably the most Nick Saban-esque way possible. I bet he's already spoken to the team. I'm sure he'll do something in front of a camera. He probably needs, I mean, it's probably going to be an emotional thing for him. And I don't see Nick Saban wanting to show any emotion in front of anybody. But I got a very important question for you, Jake. Are Alabama fans more sad or are Auburn fans more happy? I think Auburn fans are over the moon right now. <laughs> I think Auburn fans are on another level. I think Alabama fans are like they're they're sad. You know, they're this trembles. is this is their legend. This is their guy. But at the same time, he gave them six national championships. College football fans would die to have one national championship, and he gave you six in the matter of seventeen years. He averaged more than one championship every three years. And this was the first class of juniors that did not win a national championship, which is like the most insane stat I've ever heard. Jake, we're about to lose about three legends in the coaching realm in terms of Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and now Nick Saban. Bill Belichick is still alleged, but it's just insane. And you, you brought up a fun fact about Pete Carroll. Do you want to you want to share that with the, with, with the people? Yeah. With, uh, oh, interesting thing is that. So in 1980, Nick Saban replaced Pete Carroll as the defensive back coach to Ohio State. Very, very interesting that the press clipping says Nick Saban, an assistant at West Virginia, has been picked by Ohio State head coach Earl Burris to become the secondary defensive back coach. Who could forget? Saban will replace Pete Carroll, who left OSU after the Rose Bowl game, to be the North Carolina State defensive coordinator. That's... And can you imagine, like, so since the 80s, maybe even prior to that, Pete Carroll's been chomping on gum as far as he's been. I, I, how does he not have jaw arthritis? Money. Yeah, that's true. That's true. South Park put it best. Money fixes all. But way, when you've got way more money than, than we do? I, I will say that, like, Jake, so, like, to, every night, my family, we, we, you know, after we say the blessing over supper, we say three things we're thank, thankful for. And my wife looked at me, rolled her eyes, and shook her head because I'm such a degenerate college football fan, because one of the things I was thankful for was to have been able to witness the Nick Saban era, like to be around, be coherent. And honestly, like that is something I'm very thankful for. Like, you know, all jokes aside, I did enjoy twenty the 2016 and the 2018 seasons of Alabama a lot because of their end result. You know, being able to see what a coach has been able to do over that long period of a time is honestly miraculous. And, 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 you know, now that he's gone, I'm able to talk, give him his flowers and respect him more because I don't have to worry about seeing him anymore. You know, the, the, the bad man is gone. But, I mean, Jake, that's so hard to sustain. I mean, it, it's, you know, how many coaches have we have we thought have come in and, but they've been a flash in the pan? You know, you think of Ed Orgeron off the top of your head, Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley, and they haven't 
you know, they get to the, the pinnacle, Jimbo Fisher, they get to the pinnacle of college football, but then they like, what do they do after that? They don't, they can't sustain success. Ed Orgeron was gone within two years of his national championship. Why am I blanking on the Auburn coach with uh, Cam uh, Newton? Gus Malzahn. Right? Yes. Oh uh, yeah. no. Before Malzahn. I get him confused. Uh, uh, I know who I'm talking about. He's the guy that came from Iowa state, you know, had like six wins and then became their coach. But anyways, you know, he was gone after like two years after they won a national championship because he was winning like four games a year. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. Like, so sustained, sustained success is one of the hardest things to do in anything in life. And Nick Saban was the Gene Chizik child. Gene Chizik. Yes. Gene Chizik. I'm sorry, folks. I'm going to go and tell you, you could tell me I don't know ball. I get Gus Malzahn and Gene Chizik confused all of the time. Same and, person. Yeah. They're the same person. And, can I still know ball? I mean, maybe I lost a step or two, but I just, I said I was thankful for one of my three things that I got to see Nick Saban. So that gives me my points back that cancel out. But but in all seriousness, you know, seeing Nick Saban at LSU, seeing the his the the, the, the comical journey to the NFL and out of, and then at Alabama, what he was able to do. I mean, Alabama's a historic and traditional powerhouse, but they weren't until Nick Saban came back. I mean, they were kind of bad. I'm forgetting uh, Shula. Uh, Mike Shula was the coach, and he comes in and takes over. Was it Mike Shula or Don Shula? Who was the coach when he? When he uh, Mike Shula was. Mike Shula is the coach. Nick Saban comes in, and replaces him, and we don't really know what Alabama is, and he just takes it off. And I mean, hats off to him. He's a recruiting powerhouse. He sends guys to the NFL like it was. I mean, it was his job, but he was he was an NFL factory. So, to add to that, you know, sustained success is tough. It's also tough to create college football players who are really good and elite on the college level and then can also be really good and elite in the NFL level. He did both. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult. The reason I say that, the games are so different. So sometimes the guy's an elite in, in the college sports and a guy's able to make those a lot. You know, you think of you think of Chip Kelly and, you know, he's making all these, these great guys in college when they go to the NFL, they don't really pan out, you know. Nick Saban's making guys who are elite in college and elite in the NFL, and he did it for. And then they become elite NFL coaches now too, because you got D'Amico Ryan's making. D'Amico Ryan's, yeah, making the playoffs. Who played for him? Nick Saban's legacy. I don't think we can ever say enough about it. What he did to college football, he changed the sport. He was the one that struck fear into any program, no matter how good you were. Even, you know, you being a Clemson fan, knowing the fact you're facing Nick Saban, you know that there is some other generation form. I don't even know what the word is, but you know that he's got something, the intangibles of just being able to win these college football games. Yeah, for sure. He, he's got it when it comes to coaching. You know, we talk about it with players all the time, the it factor, but he has it when it comes to coaching. I mean, <clears throat> I don't like to talk about it, but we go back to my senior year. Dude calls an onside kick coming in the second half. I mean, stuff that people just don't do, especially coaches who haven't been there before. But dude's calling an onside kick in a game in which they're trailing by 10. And I I will, full disclosure, we were actually told right before that, watch out for the onside kick. And it still worked. It still worked. We knew it was coming. We were, we were warned, but you know, this, this guy just, he has changed how people coach. He's changed how people recruit. I mean, the recruiting game has changed immensely. And because you're trying to compete with Alabama, and now it's like, all right, you know, I can't just recruit in my backyard to beat Alabama. I have to go nationwide, and mm-hmm. it's just been really cool to see how the game's changed because of him. And you can't just look at his 
tenure and be like, well, it's because of his assistant coaches. It's because of his coordinators. Because a lot of his coordinators have become head coaches. He was a coach. He didn't really ever have he didn't ever really have a coordinator for more than a couple of years. You can look at all these guys that became successful. You can look at Steve Sarkeesian. You can look at Kirby Smart. You can look at Lane Kiffin. There are so many guys that were coordinators on his team that became head coaches, not even coordinators. Like Charles Huff was like the running back coach and then became a head coach at Marshall. It's not like it was just one guy that helped. He had all of these coaches that he also helped develop and build too. There was always the joke of Nick Saban coaching rehab. Yeah, and, and like think of this: three fourths of the of the college football playoff this year were from the Nick Saban tree. You have Nick Saban, you have Steve Sarkeesian, and then you have Dan Lanning, who comes from Kirby Smart, who comes from Dan Lanning did Nick not Saban. make the playoff. Excuse me, not Dan Lanning. You're right. Why was I thinking Oregon was in the playoff? What the hell? I don't that? know. But Kalen DeBoer did not come from the no, Nick he did Saban not. School of Rehab. Half, half of the playoff this year came from the Nick Saban. My my football knowledge. I mean, you had like half not. the top ten because when you add in Lane Kiffin and. Then you add in Dan Lanning, you've got like half of the top 10 schools that. Yeah, I, I can't say Dan Lanning's name anymore. It's, it's gone. Like, I'm not allowed to say it anymore. I, I don't know ball, and I'm not allowed to say anything that has to do with football for at least 30 seconds. <laughs> for at least 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 hold, we'll hold you to that one. Uh, but, you know, when, when you look at this, I think the logical next part, actually, so legitimately when looking at the top 10, half of them either were Saban or coached under Saban. When you've got... Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Kirby uh, Kirby Smart, and Sarkeesian, and Saban. Five of the top ten were either Alabama or under Nick Saban, which yeah, is I, an insane stat. Yeah, well, so funny story, you know, so one of the things that <clears throat> Nick Saban is pretty famous for is is how emotional he is on the sideline or, or you know, how intense. Dabo Sweeney told us a story one year. In terms of, you know, he, he was getting rumored to go somewhere else while we were there. I can't remember where it was. And he decided to tell us a story about when he had first started at Clemson. Nick Saban's building his staff and wants Dabo to come back in, in, into some sort of role. And Dabo's driving down. He said, I'm driving down Cherry Road, or excuse me, Perimeter Road, which is which is the road that goes right in front of Memorial Stadium. <clears throat> he said he had to pull over the car because Nick Saban, quote unquote, blessed him out so intensely that he had, literally had to pull over the car to like to focus on what was going on you know because and you know Nick Saban wanted him so bad hope they call him back that Debo has the same response but uh I don't even want to think about it I want to talk about it so this story is going to end right here but I just thought that was a pretty funny story that you know talks about who Nick Saban was and again there's another one from from Nick Saban's Maybe not from his coaching tree but they have a relationship Nick Saban and Debo are good friends and, and they vacation together so I mean this dude has has touched almost all of college football in some sort of way. I mean, if people weren't from his coaching tree, they were trying to emulate him. And that's that's admirable. So I think the logical next thing is who becomes the Alabama coach next? Man, it's like think about the coach K situation. Like, yes. Who wants to be, Doug Shire, like, who wants to be that guy? Like, no one wants to be the guy after Coach K. No one wants to be the guy after Nick Saban. Like, so I couldn't only I could only imagine. Who's going to step into this role? I mean, and you got to think, like, I think the, 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 the biggest buzz right now is Dan Lanning, but do you think Nick Saban's going to pay tw- – or uh, Alabama's going to pay – wow, I just said Nick Saban instead of Alabama. It's going to pay $20 million to buy out Dan Lanning to have them come there? I mean I, – I don't think money is going to be an issue for Alabama. I don't think money is going to be real. I mean, Nick Saban was being paid, what, $12 million a year? 
he got so his 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 contract stated that he had to be paid at least one dollar more than the highest paid coach in college football. So just add a dollar to whoever was getting paid the highest. You know, I, I put out that article earlier today and I highlighted about a 10, 12 coaches. If I'm Alabama, Dan Lanning's an intriguing name. My first call is to Steve Sarkeesian. Really? I'm calling I'm... Sark first. Sark helped build the best Alabama offense, arguably, of all time. That 2020 team where you had Mac Jones, but then you also had Najee Harris. You had Devonta Smith. You had Jalen Waddle. You had an incredible Ruggs. team. That was the year before is when they had Ruggs and Jerry Judy. Oh, yeah, um, you're right. I'm blanking on who their tight end was, but they was had Irv one Smith? of the best. Who? Was it Irv Smith? Might have been. I don't remember who their tight end was, but no. they had one of the best yeah. offense of all time. They win the national championship. It's a guy who understands the culture, understands the expectations. I don't know if Sark would take it, but that's my first call because Sark just made the college ball playoff of Texas. Now, Sark's losing a lot on his offensive side of the ball. He's losing basically all his wide receivers. Quinn Ewers is supposed to come back, but you never know. He still could decide to go pro. You've got Arch Manning, but also if you go to Alabama, you could just call Arch up and say, come to Alabama. Yeah, like, and you don't have, it's a free you don't transfer. Have behind, you don't have to sit behind Quinn another year. But, like, so, Jake, I, I honestly think so. The guy who's going to come after Nick Saban, you know, the guy after the guy, I think it's going to be a guy that has strong ties to Alabama because you got to think, like, a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, if he leaves Texas, who he's starting to build and get back into being relevant, he goes back to Alabama. Literally, like the only thing you could do is go down. Yes. I mean, Alabama is a national contender every single year. You can either keep that at that level and then, you know, you maybe you get some credit. But I have to think that some of these big name guys have too much of an ego to go to Alabama and end up saying people are either going to say one of two things. Well, Nick Saban built that like you just kept it going mm -hmm. or they're going to say, Wow, you came in here and ruined it. Like you had one job and you freaking ruined it. And, you know, it, you're going to, I feel like you're in a lose lose situation. So. You are. And you're going to hear a lot from your boosters, your community. Well, Nick Saban did it this way. Well, Nick Saban did it that way. Well, guess what? There's not Nick Saban walking back through that door. Unless Nick Saban decides to unretire, the next guy's going to do things differently. That's right. just going to be how it is. He's not going to hold. The same community fundraisers at the same exact time. It's not always going to be whatever it is the second weekend in May. Guess what? Next guy might host it the last weekend in April. It's just right. just because that it was done that way doesn't mean it's going to continue to be done. Let's get a ruffle feathers. Does, it's going does, to. Does Nick Saban sit on the first row in Tuscaloosa Stadium? Right? Did he sit? No, Tuscaloosa Stadium behind the new head coach, like Coach K is doing at Duke right now. I would. I, I, that'd be a sole reason why I would not take the job. Sole reason I'm not having Nick Saban stare over my shoulder constantly. I don't think Nick Saban does that. I, I think obviously, I mean, look how he retired. Like it came out of nowhere, and I think that's how he likes it. I think he just wants to go and play golf and be left alone. And I, I mean, I think we'll see him at an Alabama game. And I think whoever the coach is is going to be is just going to turn around and clap and act like they're not embarrassed because the place will go nuts when that dude walks back in that stadium. Yes. One guy I threw out there, which I think could be intriguing because I think Don't he could it. be the guy after Saban because he'll be the fall guy. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's a, honestly like that was my favorite one that you offered up. I mean, he's built Missouri and being relevant. Who did that last? And he's a guy that would take that job because it's a clear step up from Missouri. He could take it and he starts with a pretty strong slate. 
Now, granted, Missouri is going to be good, but he could also bring a couple of those guys. You're yeah, not Luther telling me Luther Burden wouldn't come play Byron for Alabama. Hill. Yeah. I think you're a lot of those guys. these guys wouldn't just come to Alabama. You're telling me Brady Cook wouldn't follow him to Alabama? For sure. For like, sure. I, I think that there's a lot of guys on that team that would follow him. Missouri's a really talented roster. And if he's able to keep that, like, not that he's the fall guy, but if the next guy's going to fail, it's a lot easier to get rid of that and then invest a ton of time and money and resources right. into a Dan Lanning, into a Sarkeesian, into a Kalen DeBoer, you know, into a Dabo Sweeney, into, into guys that aren't going to deal with that. Like I'll Eli be interested Drake, to see. Eli Drink, which is at that awkward area, it's like, it, has he made Missouri into his program? Is I mean, because he's right. He just won the Cotton Bowl. They just had their best season in a long time. So, like, he could step away from that program and hit that number. I think Dan Lanning's right past that cusp. I think Kirby obviously is past that cusp. I think Dabo is past that cusp. Like, so Chase Edwards says Kirby has the first right of refusal for any and everyone. Like, honestly, yeah. Okay. So Alabama should call Kirby Smart. But the problem is, I don't think Kirby Smart even answers that phone call. Kirby Smart played at Georgia. Like, I don't think that has a, that's not even worth a, a phone call. I think, and I think Alabama's boosters are smart up. They're not, I mean, yes. Does Kirby have the right to the first phone call? Probably. I, I don't play to Georgia. Gonna, He's not going to go. Yeah. They, they know better. They're not going to do that. And they'd have to pay him, you know, gobs of money. Yeah. Um, I don't think money matters. No, 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 no. But I, I don't, I don't think Kirby, I, I think they, they have to know Kirby Smart's not going to go to Alabama. No, no. The, that's why a lot of the name being thrown out is Dan Lanning. Steve Sarkeesian, guys that have ties, but also are more potential to leave their job. Like you, you also brought up D'Amico Ryan's, and I know that's a long shot because of what he's doing with the Texans. And honestly, the NFL landscape is a lot more lucrative in terms of schedule. Like coaches have time off, but I think D'Amico Ryan's, like being a guy from Alabama, I think I think he would be welcomed with open arms by the Alabama community. And honestly, it wouldn't hurt as bad like i think i feel like people would give him more time to either a sustain or to get it back to a formidable program after nick saban left it so i i like i like his name being thrown in there i don't know how realistic it is but i do like his name being thrown in there yeah i uh i'll be interested to see how fast they also look to hire somebody do you think that do you think they already have a guy i mean with how with how abrupt this came do you think they already have an idea no, I always thought that Nick Saban would line up a successor, but there really hasn't been anybody the last two or three years that has been worth it. You know, Sarkeesian would have been a guy, but coaching waitings kind of went away. You know, yeah. there were a lot of the, the mid-2000s where guys would do coaching waiting, you know, know who you want. But then there was – Jimbo Fisher was one of them. He was like the coaching waiting at Texas. But then, like, Matt Brown didn't leave. <laughs> like, right. Jimbo Fisher's like, well, I'm not going to sit here and wait around forever not going to get this job right so yeah the coaching waiting but like you know ryan day was like basically named coaching waiting at ohio state but it was basically under the understanding herb meyer was going to be retiring at the end of that year do you think jamie chadwell has a shot no no i, I don't think jamie chadwell has they, any experience at a power five level and i don't think they would even look so you, his way you think no matter what they want a proven guy to come in that into the house they they're gonna him. shoot it for the stars I and I think they're going to land on one of them. I think there's some interesting names out there, but I think they're going to look for somebody with SEC experience because, I mean, the SEC is doggy dog. It's, it's going to be brutal. It's 
very tough. Hell, most of the SEC is, is from his coaching tree, so they have to. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Maybe Jeremy Pruitt will come back and serve a suspension uh, oh, as his first year's head coach at, at Alabama. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, the one that I think is interesting is Ole, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Lane Kiffin followed up Pete Carroll at USC and flopped. Does he really want to follow up another legend in Alabama? I think Lane Kiffin is the kind of guy who wouldn't give a damn. They're going to pay him a bunch of money. I don't think you're wrong. He would go and do it. But I, I think he kind of ah, – man – Lane Kiffin is very interesting, too, because, yes, they just got on all these transfers, but you see, like, a, a big-name guy, the guy. I know there's a lot of spec, uh, speculation with, with Quinshawd going out and, like, that being a Quinshawd personality issue, but maybe Quinshawd kind of saw the writing on the wall with, with, with uh, Lane Kiffin wanting to leave. I, I don't know. You don't know what's being said behind closed doors. And a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in these team meeting rooms and these coaching offices that never gets leaked out. So... Get ready for the lane train. We got Brenton Bender who's saying that's who he thinks going coming on. So I, I wouldn't doubt it. I would not be shocked to see Lane Kiffin come there. Um, I would put him like fourth or fifth. Honestly, I think Lane Kiffin's personality can kind of rub people the wrong way. Oh, one hundred percent. I don't think he jives with the whole Alabama culture. How about I don't Urban think he Meyer? does either. How oh, about Urban Meyer, Jake? <laughs> my hot take is Urban Meyer's over college football. He can't manage in this situation he used to be somebody that too many way too many co-eds way too many co-eds down in alabama but he was always somebody like if you watched the documentary this past summer he had to manage everybody's schedule know exactly when people were doing things to hate control now players have way more control the transfer portal nil you know players are going to say if i'm not getting my money i'm leaving you know you can't be as ruthless in today's game or else you're just going to lose your roster. So, so Jake, who do you think is the most far-fetched person that has a shot at this job that maybe, you know, that you would – I mean, yeah, it would be shocking to everybody, but who do you think that guy is out there right now? Um, here's an interesting one, and I have no idea if he would even take this job. Jed Fish at Arizona. Interesting. So, Jed Fish is mainly an NFL guy, really hasn't coached in college a ton other than, you know, Arizona. He coached at UCLA for a little bit, was a GA at Florida back in the late 90s. But Jed Fish is really good right now. Like, Jed Fish is a hot name. Like, Jed Fish went 10-3 and this past year. Like, I think if you start going down the list and guys just say no because they don't want to follow a legend, I, I think that you could say, you could look at Jed Fish and, with them moving to the Big 12, and the Big 12 is kind of a weird situation next year, Jedfish would leave Arizona for Alabama uh, 100%. 100%. I mean, talk about resources. Do you think Mike Norvell has any interest in Alabama? I, will, I also I think honest. Alabama doesn't have interest in Mike Norvell. That's what I was about to say. I don't think there's a shot Mike Norvell goes. I mean, I don't know. I, I no, no offense to Mike Norvell, but he hasn't proven himself enough yet. I mean, I also I'm, think his basically. recruiting, where he just seems to lose guys on like signing day, isn't a great trend. He loses <laughs> his five star guys like on signing day. Yeah, that was awkward with old Travis Hunter. That was a funny situation. I mean, he lost KJ Bolden to Georgia on signing day. Like he just yeah. seems to lose his five stars like on national signing day. Which at oh, Alabama, they're not going to take that. You better be flipping guys to you on national signing day. Yeah. I also think, especially with Kevin Steele retiring, I also think there's about a zero percent chance that the the hire is internal. I don't think it's yeah. a guy that's there. Tommy Reese is the only one that's even remotely qualified, and Tommy Reese isn't qualified. 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's Tommy Reese's fault. Maybe Notre Dame just ruined Alabama. Maybe they did. Marcus Freeman was another game that's thrown out. I don't think Marcus Freeman goes to Alabama. He doesn't have enough experience. Yeah, I don't think Alabama picks up the phone. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I don't want to go into the Dabo conversation. I really don't think Dabo goes. Obviously, I'm biased. So I'd like to hear your opinion more, Jake. But I really don't think with, with what Dabo's got, especially after last year, I think everybody's like, well, last year maybe wanted to push him out. I think after what happened last year, this this class, this team that Dabo has right now at Clemson is probably an emo- one of his emotional classes. I remember when I was back at Clemson, like, you know, his his emotional ties were the, the dandy dozen. His first 12 guys that he got to come in and turned around the program. And I think this is this class is similar, especially with what happened last year with them going four and four, then winning five in a row. I, I feel like Dabo's got something to prove, and I feel like he's got an emotional tie to the kids who are on that on that field right now or in that mm-hmm. locker room right now. So I again so, I'm biased. So you I don't think Dabo follows Nick Saban. I, I think we talked about you don't want to be the guy to follow the legend, you want to be the guy after the guy. Right. See, the only way I see Dabo going back to Alabama is if the next couple of years don't go well for Alabama and Dabo like kind of just sputters over the next two, three years. Not like seven and five, but like, you know, doesn't make the college football or makes the college football playoff because 12 teams, but like, you know, makes it to the elite eight, like, you know, only wins one game, like, you know, maybe makes it to the last four, but not make the championship, like still does well. But at the same time, then, you know, where does Alabama still look that way? Yeah. That was only in his fifties. He's got, Plenty of coaching time left. Oh, for sure. But Especially if he coaches to 72 like Nick Saban. Uh, Brenton also said, not, not happening, but I'd love to see Coach Prime back in the South. I don't think Coach Prime is a fit at Alabama. I don't that think culturally be, he's a good fit. I don't think he is what they're looking for. That would be hilarious, though. I mean, that would. Oh, gosh. I, I, would I don't love think to see that... Prime in his, in his shades and his uh, Bear Bryant pound tooth. Oh, gosh. Could you imagine? Prime walking around on a fo- Bear Bryant fedora would be insane. Yeah, I don't think Lincoln Riley is an is an option, and I don't think Lincoln Riley would leave you. No, no, uh, I don't. I don't think Lincoln Lincoln Riley had a Heisman Trophy winner, went seven and five. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't I think mean, they're going to look his direction. He well, also doesn't know how to coach a defense. I think he's done. No, that is well, how Alex Grinch stole the defense. What about James Franklin? No. Oh my God, James Franklin has the best agent in the world getting his name thrown out there. <laughs> James Franklin might have the best agent in all of college football getting oh, his sure. name to be thrown in there when nobody at Alabama is even going to look his direction. Yeah, do you think do you think they pick up the phone call Mario Cristobal down in Miami? No, Cristobal played yeah. at Miami. I know he coached at Alabama, but Cristobal hasn't done enough the last two yeah. years at Miami to even be worthy. I don't think he did enough at Oregon. No. No, he, he's been a, a slightly above average coach. Good enough not to get fired. Not good enough to really get a promotion. The only reason yeah. he went to Miami because Manny Diaz was subpar. Like I, I don't, I don't really know who they're going to go after because you need a very specific guy. I don't think you're going to find a long time guy. Like you're not going to get a Kyle Whittingham to go to Alabama. What What are the odds Kellen DeBoer ditches what he's built at, uh, at Washington to come down? I could, I could see that. It really depends, like I said, if they want an SEC guy. If they want an SEC guy, Kalen DeBoer is a Midwest-Western guy. It's a very different culture. Coached in the FCS, coached in Indiana for like one or two seasons, been at Washington. Very different culture, very different way of playing football. 
I think he could find success there. I think he could, but is he willing to leave Washington? Now would be the time because Penix, McMillan, yeah. Polk, Odunze, like they're all going to be gone. So Dylan Johnson, I think, is leaving. Like you're going to lose your whole offense. You got to rebuild it again next year. So if you're going to leave, you might as well do it now. Right. Well, I think honestly, like to to, to to kind of circle back, I think Sarkeesian has the Trump card. I think he had. I think this job is his if he wants it because I yes. think he's got the the Trump card, and the Trump card is Arch Manning. Because you have to think that Arch Manning would follow Steve Sarkeesian to Alabama, and I think mm-hmm. that would that would entice people. That gives so two things happen when Arch Manning comes. You have perceivably instant success or instant sustainability because you have a guy who's already there. That three things happen. If an Arch Manning walks into the door, you have to think guys aren't going to transfer out because they're going to want to play with him. Another thing's going to happen is recruits are going to want to play with him. So now a lot of the mm-hmm. recruit class. Sam's Ryan Williams, who've already, who's already decommitted. He, he was leaving there. anyways. That dude had yeah. visits lined up still. Which is, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, so I think he, I think it's Sarkeesian's job to lose. Uh, Jelani Davis, Davidson, uh, since since Jake, the Ohio State stand over here, won't won't shout out our Michigan people that just got in We're the chat. getting to the game later. This is having <laughs> me breaking news. Well, I just want to uh, just tell this person I appreciate them coming in and, and shooting us a comment. Thank you. You are a five-star listener, Sans Connor Stallions. Even though he Connor Stallions probably told you to come watch this podcast to uh, put that put that comment in here. But anyway, I I think this is Sarkeesian's job to lose because of Arch Manning, because of his ties to Alabama, because of his offensive success, because of recruiting success. But I'm very curious to see what happens. This is going to be exciting, and I think we'll know by the end of the by the end of next week. Who the, who the who the successor is? Spring yeah, ball is about I'd to start. Say, I'd say one week from oh, now we God. have a really good idea, at least of one or two keyed in on candidates. I, I don't know if we'll have them hired in one week, but it wouldn't surprise me in the weekend that there's actually like people they're keyed in on. So yeah. we'll see. I don't think they go with a coordinator though. Like I don't think it's like a Sharon Moore, or Jesse Minter at Michigan, like. I think they're going to go after a guy that's got a head coaching experience. Like they've got too good of a roster to take a chance on a guy that's almost guaranteed, not guaranteed to flop as a coordinator, but you want somebody that knows how to win. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that hundred percent. And plus like with where they're at, they don't want to, they're in yes. the place where they can pick who they want. Essentially. Mm-hmm. You usually have the pick, pick of everybody for the most part, you know, there's probably 95% of the jobs that, you know, you could take. There's probably only, out of 130 coaches, five that are just without a doubt not even going to really take the phone call. Let's name them. Oh, not even take the phone call. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is not taking the phone call, but Jim Harbaugh probably still. Jim uses, Harbaugh's like, in the NFL next year. Let's 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 yeah, go ahead Jim and Harbaugh's get ahead of that. Kirby Smart's not taking it. He's not going to really answer the phone call. Um, two. I mean, after that, I mean, I guess yeah, those are the two. I mean, we talked about Ryan Day, but I also don't know if Ryan Day really in, considers it. He's getting in a really good spot. Like after that, like Dabo, yeah, Dabo won't go. Dabo won't go. I mean, I the, okay. Oh. All right. Enough of Nick Saban. Let's move on to a game that actually happened this week. Michigan won the national championship, but somehow that's not the biggest news of the week. <laughs> Thanks, Nick Saban. You cooked the national championship. Nick Saban said, uh, "Michigan, you think you break the internet? I'm actually going to break the internet." Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. Michigan uh, dominates this game, but the game was relatively close for three and a half quarters. It was a one score game for three and a half quarters. 
uh, until Michael Penix throws an interception on fourth down. Jake, I want you to, to by yourself, explain to me how in the hell J.J. McCarthy was the MVP of this game. Please explain this to me. J.J. McCarthy was the worst quarterback on the field. Penix didn't even play well. He, he was still better than J.J. McCarthy. Who picks the MVP? That was I, I don't mean, know. Should have been Co for the running backs. 100%. Like, give it to Corum and Edwards. Edwards had three rushes for 900 yards. Like, Edwards had two, had at one point had two rushes for 89 yards and two touchdowns. Like, and they, and they were the two longest rushes that, that Washington had given up all year long. Donovan Edwards set the tone early because that first run, he runs into his offensive lineman's back straight into his ass, bounces it outside, and just turns the Jets on and runs away from any everybody. Scores again in the first quarter, has 90 yards and two touchdowns, and really set the tone for the game because Michigan was showing their ability to run the ball, what they've been able to do all year long. And for the life of me, I still don't know why they didn't give Donovan Edwards the ball more this year. Yeah, you have to think something was going on. Maybe he was hurt, undisclosed injury. It's not It's not beneath uh, Jim Harbaugh to not release information that's pertinent or, or to be oh, entirely the, truthful. There's plenty of guys that play through injuries all year long. You hear about this in the offseason where, okay, this guy played through, you know, a fractured wrist all year and he's getting surgery in February to repair it. Like yeah. that happens all the time. So th- there's a chance that it could have happened or you had something happening during you know the year, but the guy played in every game. It's not like he, you know, sat out half the year. He just didn't have a good year. And then he was fresh in the national championship game and just turned on the jets and Michigan's offensive line was crucial here because dominant. They were opening the holes for the running backs. And what I still don't understand were some of these throws that they were like forcing JJ McCarthy to do. Like, first down, they're throwing the ball and it's incomplete. So you're setting up second and 10. And they struggled moving the ball when they were throwing that early on downs because now they're, even if they get three yards or four yards on second down, it's third and six. If they're on their own side of the field, you got to get six yards. You probably even if you get five yards, you're not going for it on fourth and one on your own side. Like it, it just didn't make sense. I know it's very cliche to run the ball on first down, but they were running it so well. I thought they should have the basically pulled ball. out the Penn State game plan of just like run every play. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. So you get outside of the the you know traditionally fifteen scripted plays. You come into the game with fifteen plays that are scripted. After those first 15 plays that Michigan had where they had 14 points, they went stagnant on offense. Yes, they had 34 points, but that that, that came from crunch time, you know, where, where Washington's trying to force things. Like, I was not impressed with Mich- Michigan's offense at all. Their running game, yes. Everything else, no. J.J. McCarthy did nothing except for one big run on third and eight, and I think it was in the fourth quarter. That was the biggest thing he did the entire game. It was great, but that's – he didn't do anything that wowed me. And the fact that he got MVP is just, it's probably because the fact that that's all they talked about was JJ McCarthy, his mental health and his meditation, the entire game, which was, I mean, do you, do you brush your teeth with your left hand? So funny story. I did in middle school. We, uh, my buddy and I used to walk down to the YMCA uh, every day after school and play basketball. We were playing with these older guys and we wanted to get better, and they knew we couldn't dribble with our left hand, so we were like, hey, let's do everything our left hand. So we had a handshake we did together. We did that all left-handed. We tried to brush our teeth left-handed, which is really hard. But anyway, yes, but that is such a weird story. Why are we talking yeah. about that during the national championship? You have nothing else to talk about? There's no other storylines? Very lines? weird. 
You know, the, one of the plays of the game to me, so with about three minutes left in the third quarter, Michigan had third and eight at their own nine-yard line. Uh, Washington gets pressure, and then J.J. McCarthy takes to the middle for 22 yards. Yeah. Even if they stop that for no gain, you know, they're at their own 10-yard line, they're punting. Washington's getting the ball about the 50-yard line. Instead, Michigan gets the ball out to the 50-yard line and punts. Like, that's a very big momentum change because you're now having to go the full distance of the field instead of having to go 50 or 60 yards. Even if you get a field goal, you're getting some sort of momentum, you're moving the ball. But every time it seemed like Washington needed a play to happen, it just didn't. You know, they got a couple stops in the second and third quarter, but when they got the stops, their offense couldn't replicate the same kind of success their defense did. Right. And honestly, I was very, very impressed with Washington's defense. I mean, the they adjusted very like, well. Yeah. And they're like, all right, you might out physical us, but you're not going to do it over and over and over again. We're going to, we're going to, I mean, their linebackers played really well. Their defense line ended up playing really well. Their safeties played really well. I was, I was very, very impressed with Washington's defense. And they weren't bullied after that first quarter as much as people thought they would be. So I thought that was very, very impressive. And like, honestly, like, and Jake, you know, tell me what you think. I think this game comes down to more to rather than Michigan playing a great game, it comes down to more of Michael Penix having a bad game. I think Michael Penix missing some very routine throws for him is what is the difference in this game. I mean, you got, you, you go back to the fourth and seven play call. I think it was in the second quarter where the guy's wide open and he misses him. That was a walk-in touchdown. And then there's a couple other here and there where, like, throws that he makes over and over again, Washington dropping the ball. Washington's offense literally and figuratively dropped the ball in this game and cost them the national championship because I think they had every opportunity to win this game and win this game by double digits, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, and, you know, Washington's defense, like you said, they adjusted really well. Uh, it, it Towards the end, they just – you know, they lost steam. They were on the field so much because Washington couldn't really move the ball either. They were going three and out or six plays. They weren't really sustaining drives. And even if they were going quick, you know, Washington could score quick. But the problem is they were going like 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards. You know, we didn't see Michael Penix hit any of his iconic deep throws. Yeah. Uh, Michigan did a really good job of getting pressure. Uh, they did a really good job of trying to contain all of the wide receivers. Washington then had to resort to a lot of screenplays. You know, they were getting Jalen Polk and Romo Dunze, you know, in the flat. They were throwing to Jake Westover, the tight end, a decent bit. Washington wasn't able to use their athletes to just beat Michigan on the boundaries. Michigan's got some really good defensive backs. Mike Sandstrill, Will Johnson, you know, are two really good defensive backs. Uh, Makari Page had a really good game. You know, th there were a lot of guys that had really good games on the defensive side of the ball, and Michigan did a great job of containing all of them. Yeah. So, so, so back to the MVP conversation. I think Blake Corum is your MVP. Twenty-one carries, one hundred and thirty-four yards, two touchdowns, a fifty-nine-yard rush. I mean, dude, JJ McCarthy had one hundred and forty yards receiving or, or, or passing, thirty-one yards rushing, which all came on essentially one run. Fifty-eight point four QBR, and this is the guy. No touchdowns, and this is the guy that you want to name the national championship MVP. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, 10 of 18 isn't really good. I mean, you, you just showed that you didn't need him basically that you could have stuck right. basically on, not that I you mean, could have stuck anyone back there, but with how the offensive line was playing, you could have basically, you could have stuck Kyle McCord back there. <laughs> get, I will say it. Oof. Oof. <laughs> 
I give, will say it. Give the MVP to, to to Michigan's defensive line or Blake Corum. I mean, Donovan Edwards, even with how well he played, they only gave him six touches, which is mind-boggling to me. I mean, Mike Sandstrow basically put the game away with his interception that went back for 81 yards. You know, he basically called yeah. the game at that point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, the one throw that he had that basically felt like it, the tide had officially turned was the pass to Colston Loveland across the middle where the tight end ran like 50 yards then. What a catch. What mm-hmm. a catch. I mean, that was all six five of him and his wingspan to get that ball. And, you know, yes, I, I know like one of the big topics uh, of the game, Jake, was was the officiating, maybe the holding calls. I think you could do that in every single game. Yes, I thought it was a little one-sided in terms of calls with, with officiating, but I don't think offic- officials decided this game. I, and, I agree. They did not. And it comes – I mean, and again, like it comes down to the thing that I always love to say – don't put the game in the officials' hands because then you have the opportunity to have these arguments. If if Romo Dunze doesn't have a drop, if the running back whose name is slipping me, he's the backup, doesn't have that key drop on fourth down and three, if if Michael Penix is able to hit Romo Dunze on a couple of shots, you know this is a totally different game, and those those calls that are that are called don't have to happen. And mm-hmm. you know, again, yes, the officiating might have been questionable, but I I thought they they did a pretty good job overall just letting the game happen and not and not being a factor Maybe it was the funny one the one holding call they the one holding call they do call was probably like i mean it was hold but like it was probably one of the more questionable yeah ones there were a lot more egregious holds during the game yes, on the deep ball yeah there were a lot more egregious holds but like the hold did affect the play like it was a hold they were just a lot worse ones, in my opinion, and they chose to call the one on the deep ball for Michael Penix. Right. I think that timing was just terrible. But again, Washington lost this game, not the officials. So I, I, I want to go ahead and put that out there, you know. But to get, to go back to Michigan, they deserved it. I think that they won it. They earned it. I mean, they did what they had to do. They they were they held the best offense in the country to thirteen points. Correct, and they were opportunistic. You know, something that we called all Washington just last week. We said Washington's best quality on their defense is they're opportunistic. They didn't force any turnovers. They didn't allow J.J. McCarthy to, to turn the ball over. It's hard when you only throw the ball 18 times to complete 10 of them. It's true. And no fumble. And the other eight were uncatchable by his own team. <laughs> Except the one he did hit his wide receiver in the hands and his wide receiver had bricks for hands. Yeah, and then he did like a cool little front flip just to remind people, hey, I can't catch, but I am athletic. You got to know that. He'll be a D-back next year. Don't worry. But Washington lost this game more so than Michigan won it, but I do want to give Michigan their flowers. J.J. McCarthy is is an athletic game manager. I've called him that on Twitter, or on X, excuse me. He does enough to keep you in the game. He doesn't lose you any games, but he sure as hell did not win this game. He sure as by any means, by any means, not even close. And I, 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 if I'm Blake Corum, that pisses me off. I mean, yes, you have a national championship, but that, that has to like rub you the wrong way just a little bit. That you're the bell cow. They give you the ball 20 times, and your teammate is the one that they give it to. I don't know. That's a little strange, Jake. Out of um, out of the so let's put it this way: 38-19. So it's about what 57 plays run on offense. 20 of them, 21 of them went to Blake Corum. So Blake Corum was more. It was just about half of this offense. Mm-hmm. I anyway, half the plays went to Blake Corum, and and, and dude did his job, and he somehow doesn't get team MVP 
It, it'll be interesting, you know, moving forward for both of these programs because we talked about Kalen DeBoer uh, in Alabama, potentially Jim Harbaugh, potentially the NFL. You know, Wa- uh, Washington's got Michael Penix going to the NFL. Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan have already said they're going to the NFL. Romo Dunze is all but guaranteed to go to the NFL. Yeah. Washington, you know, might have Harbaugh's some guys returning on defense. Yeah, Harbaugh's going to go to the NFL and draft those guys. <laughs> Braylon Trice, the, the best player, arguably the best player on Washington's defense is going to the NFL. Yes. So th- there's a lot. And then on Michigan, you know, J.J. McCarthy has a decision to make. Uh, Blake Quorum's going to go to the NFL. Uh, almost the whole offensive line for Michigan's going to go to the NFL. You know, they're wide receivers. A lot of them are NFL eligible. Donovan Edwards has to make a decision if he's going to go to the NFL, especially after one of the best games of well, the best game of his junior season, but not one of the best of his career because end of his sophomore year, he had better games. So there's a lot of decisions that need to be made here on these teams, and we'll see what they return and what they look like. If J.J. McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL, like I don't know what to make of this Michigan team next year. You know, Having Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban both leave their jobs in the matter of a week would be insane. Yeah. I think they they would probably start to. I mean, Sherrod Moore, what you would assume takes over. Sherrod Moore, or Jesse Minter, the coordinators feel like they'd be like the logical hire. Yeah, so I mean, I think I don't think they're national championship contenders, but I don't think they. I think they're playoff contenders every year. Yeah, especially when you move to twelve teams at this point. Yeah. You know, you just need to go ten and two for the most part, and you know, the schedule is also very difficult next year. They have Texas, they have Ohio State. Uh, I believe they have Oregon and USC and Washington next year. Yeah. Yeah, I, and and one thing I do want to say in terms of Washington, I do feel for Michael Penix. I mean, the game of his life, and he doesn't do what he's normally done all year. And I mm-hmm. think this is going to eat him probably for the rest of his life. It's going to eat at him, but I think it's going to take him a while to. I agree. I, I feel I feel for the dude. That's that's tough. That's tough. I agree. So, do you think Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL? Ninety percent. He was very non-committal about coming back. Now, someone made a comment that he talked about spring ball. They made that care. discussion about spring ball like week a couple weeks ago like they, they yeah. started planning that stuff well in advance it's not like he just made that decision on the spot like jim harbaugh he, also he's got a plan for that in case all the nfl teams say no right and he also has not denied any of this to the point where the contract that was offered to him had an, a no nfl clause and he says mm-hmm. no i'm not gonna take 15 million dollars a year like he uh, wants to go to the nfl so stinking bad like i think he made the comment about his brother you know being able to sit at the big boy table I think it still eats at him that he lost the Super Bowl to his brother. To his brother, yeah. His dad's finally proud of him, but he's like, the job's a little bit better, Jim. But John beat you on the field on the biggest yeah. stage. Remember so. that, Jim? Remember that? So until he gets the Super Bowl, you know, I don't think he'll be quite satisfied. The Chargers would be placed to go. I mean, you got Justin Herbert there already. Just got to build around him. You are correct. You are correct. I want to go back to Nick Saban before we officially sign off here. 24-7 just put something out here a few minutes ago saying that Nick Saban cited his age and health concerns with the Alabama team about his recruiting or about his retirement and that Alabama players were told a new coach could be hired within 72 hours. I know who it is. That means like, whether they've had direct discussions with it, they've had discussions with the coach's agent saying like, is this guy interested? W- would he come here? This is going to be, again, I don't think Dabo goes. I just need the actual confirmation that he's not going to be able to take a breath. I'm optimistically cautious. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of guys hours. out there that this could be. Uh, I don't think 
I think that might also be hopeful for 72 hours because I think Alabama in their minds are thinking we'll call a guy and he'll say yes. Yeah. Please do it as soon as possible. I don't want to, I just need to get this off my, off my back, please. William won't sleep until he knows if uh, Dabo's staying or not. Nah, he's staying. I'm, uh, uh, this is going to bother me. I, not going not... wood. Not going wood. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. Do you have any other last thoughts before we sign off for the offseason? Dabo, if you're listening, I know you probably are. Just know there's no Tyler from Spartanburg in Alabama to help spark the team. So there's only a Spartanburg in, in South Carolina. There's not a Spartanburg in Alabama. Keep that in mind when you're making your decision. But before I sign off, again, you know, Obviously, the new year was last week, but this is the end of the year of college football. The new year starts t- started Tuesday. I want to I want to just thank everybody for this awesome season, Jake. This is our first season together on this podcast. I thought it was an awesome, awesome year. Hopefully, we put out some content that people enjoyed. You know, I, I knew I I learned a lot in terms of what it's like to podcast, what it's like to prepare, what it's like to come out and speak in front of people. You know, no matter how big the crowd or or or, or small. It's it's very humbling on what a lot of people do on a day to day basis, and it was again. This is like one of the one of the best years of college football I've had in a very long time because you know I've able to then have uh, the walk on redshirts and our five star listeners to interact with on 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 Twitter. So appreciate everybody and happy New Year. Yeah, it's it's been a great year. It's been a lot of fun. Everything we've seen a ton of growth, seen a lot of interactions. It's only going to continue getting better. You know, make sure to stay in touch with us throughout the whole off season. Got a little over 200 days until the first college football game again. We can start the countdown. It's fine. We'll start the countdown. And trust me, there's going to be content we're going to continue to put out. I mean, Jake and I are still reaching out, trying to get interviews. We've got some things in the bag that we think we're going to come out and do. You're going to see this ugly mug on this camera a few more times, people. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Yeah, it may not be every week, so don't expect something every week. But we will continue to have content, drive content out. Make sure to visit thewalkonredshirts.com. Make sure if you follow us on Spotify or Apple, you know, leave us a review, give us five stars, four stars, whatever you think we deserve. If, if Give us honest feedback. Tell us how you want us to get better, especially heading yeah. into the next year. We want to know, we want to improve for the, our listeners. And Jake, I, I do want to add this. I think some of our best articles come out during the the mm-hmm. off season. You know, uh, I, I'll sneak through. Spoiler, I'm not going to, I'm not saying this is one of the best articles that will come out, but a position you article may or may not be coming out from a Pakoda type named writer walk on moose at walk on red shirts so you know some some cool stuff like that might be coming out people have time to actually focus on other on other articles rather than doing predictions and other things so this is going to be there's going to be some cool stuff coming out so please yeah stay engaged stay contacted you know we, yeah. we still have recruiting going on we still have february 7th the the the, the normal signing day so there's there's a lot you got to a way, lot more interesting with nick saban leaving yeah got a lot more interesting so with that being said, thank you to everybody who joined in, participated, followed along, interacted with us at all in the past season. We'll definitely be in touch throughout the offseason. And we're just over 200 days until the next college football season, guys. We can make it. We got this. We can do it. All right. We'll see you guys again here soon.